Thanks for listening to Open the Word. Today, we're throwing it back and dusting off an episode from the archives. We've had some great conversations over a decade of radio ministry that deserve to be heard again. So you might hear some new voices and old references, but we hope you still enjoy these episodes. You found a place to belong here in the Circle of Friends. I'm Missy, and I am with Gwen. And Gwen, we are at the final chapter of First Peter. It's taken us, mm, counting our last session, like uh, 10 days, two weeks to do this. So Something like that. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, though, going through yes. as we look at from the beginning to end. And I love it. It's Bible study with Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> with it's Missy. Aw- it's awesome. It's awesome. So chapter five of First mm-hmm. Peter, wow, we have come uh, quite the distance with this whole book. And I, as I think about the things that Peter has taught us and said to us and things that are, are relative to my life in terms of, you know, the theme of, of uh, the sufferings of Christ and what that does in our life. And as we talked about yesterday, and you said it so beautifully at the end of the day that how we go through the suffering, you know, the purpose is to bring glory to God and and for us to mature in the faith so that we can continue living a life full of purpose that points others to Christ. Absolutely. Wow. That's that's the goal. Absolutely. And I think that's the goal that Peter's trying to show here is that the trial of your faith um, is (laughs) that comes upon you for your testing. Um, don't look at it like it's something strange. Like, why is this happening? Like, understand that this is a part of it and rejoice that you get to journey through because you get to partake in Christ's suffering. You get to be a part of, um, you know, what God is doing in the lives of mankind. And, um, okay. So moving on to chapter five, let's, let's just jump in. Uh, therefore, verse one of chapter five, I exhort the elders among you. Okay. So what we're going to see in this chapter is that he's going to talk about the older believers and younger believers. So we're going to see some, some things here. Um, I exhort the elders among you as fellow elders and witnesses of the suffering of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Mm. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, because you have to, but do it willingly, voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with an eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock." When the chief shepherd shepherd appears, you will receive the unfaded crown of glory. You younger, likewise, be subject to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you at proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Mm. Be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering you are being, are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Sylvanus 
our faithful brother, for so I regard him. I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings. So does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Wow, what a what an what ending. A chunk. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff in here. So many verses hmm. that um uh wow, I'm not even really sure where to start. There was a couple <laughs> of verses I wanted to read from um from the Passion because I thought, oh my goodness, let me just let me just do the first several from the Passion. Now I encourage you as an elder and eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ and one who shares in the glory that is about to be reveal- unveiled. I urge my fellow elders among you to be compassionate shepherds who tenderly care for God's flock and who feed them well, for you have the responsibility to guide, protect, and oversee. Mm -hmm. Consider it a joyous pleasure and not merely a religious duty. Lead from the heart under God's leadership, not as a way to gain finances dishonestly, but as a way to eagerly and cheerfully serve Don't be controlling tyrants, but lead others by your beautiful examples to the flock. And when the shepherd king appears, you will win the victor's crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, the younger ones should willingly support the leadership of the elders. In every relationship, each of you must wrap around yourselves the apron of a humble servant because God resists you when you are proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you are humble. Wow, isn't that awesome? I love the word picture of that. Yes, I do too. I love the idea of just clothe yourself with humility mm-hmm. like a servant's apron. Yeah, isn't that cool? Oh, I love that. Verse 6 says, If you bow low in God's awesome presence, He will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in His hands. Pour out all your worries and stress upon Him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure. And then after your brief suffering in the the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes. He will set you firmly in place and build you up. And he has all the power needed to do this forever. Amen. Oh my goodness. Just talk about uh, goosebumps there. And you think about what, what, what a, a victory speech, you know, it's, it's, um, Peter, in, in, in this letter, is recognizing the struggles of the saints who have been dispersed because yeah. of persecution. Absolutely. He, he gets it. He sees, he sees what they're going through. He acknowledges it. But he also reminds them that they are the victors. And if they, if, if they allow God uh, through the suffering, they can glorify God in such a way as to be part of yeah. you know, God's purposes of be a part of fulfilling God's purposes and his purpose in the suffering again is so that we might bring him glory and that we might lead others to the cross absolutely because when when we when we 
react, respond, I should say. We talk about reacting, responding, not reacting, responding. When we respond in a way that is contrary to our natural man, to the world, that draws attention. People see that. They see that and it's noticed and people are like, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you could forgive that person. I don't know how you could live through that. I don't know how you could, you know, Mm. all of those things, which no, in my, in my own self, I couldn't, or you couldn't, but with the power of God, you can become that lighthouse for people that, you know, that the light that just shines people towards Christ. And that's our purpose, right? Um, And then I love this because he speaks directly to, to, to leaders of the church. Yes, he does. I, you know, I love this because this is, this is one this talks about leadership and and that's kind of a tagline in our culture i think in the christian world right now is christian leadership and what does that look like and but this is beautiful like to think of it like i'm a shepherd who's been entrusted with a flock mm. of god um you know that um in stepping out for leadership there are o- the those that follow um one thing here, I mean, he's establishing some structure and enforcing some structure within the church. You know, um, he's talking basically about the same leadership crisis and how to solve it as he was in the home. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, the leader needs to lead well, but those that are under the leader need to submit. They need to, this had different wording on it, be subject to your elders. Yeah. Um, to clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Um, you know, it's it's this idea of being servants to all that Jesus talks about when it, one of his last interactions with his disciples before his death. You know, it was a moment of him leading his little flock, you know, and how he demonstrated leading them was to literally clothe himself in the apron of a servant yep. and to do the lowest job in the home, which was to go around and wash everybody's feet. Which were pretty stinky. Which was stinky and dirty because they had open sandals. Yeah. And everybody walked everywhere. Yeah. I worked for a foot doctor. I know I know stinky feet, even in yeah. shoes. So yeah. without them they're yeah. Absolutely. That's that's that is a low and humiliating job, so to speak, yet he humbled himself and clothed himself with humility and did that as an example for us because we should we should be the same way. We should humble ourselves. Uh, verse 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, uh, that he may exalt you in due time. So when oh, it, it's, it's the... Um, it's the upside down kingdom, you know. Yeah. Those who are humbled will be exalted. The first shall be last. Last shall be first. I mean, it's... It's God's economy that does not uh, line up with the way we live our life on the earth. It's opposite. It's an upside down world. But God's way is the best way. And it's the way, it's the path that's the best way for us. Um, I think it's hard sometimes to put yourself in a position of humility. Um, and maybe it's it's harder in some situations than it is it is in others or you know, for some people than it is for others. But the humility and walking in humility is just really just recognizing who you are, that mm. you're a sinner saved by God's grace. You know, I, I was just sitting here thinking about humility, um, and I think that might be a good thing to just kind of focus in on and when we get back, because 
um, if there's one thing that exemplifies Christ, it's humility mm, in, yes. in that emptying of himself, mm-hmm. becoming obedient even to the point of death that's talked about in, um, in Philippians chapter 2 or 3. Um, taking on the form of a bondservant. Um, that's in chapter 2, verse 7. Um, being made in the likeness of man, which is the thing that Jesus created at creation with the Father. Um, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, which was the worst death in existence in that day and time. For this reason also, God highly exalted him, bestowing on him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, those in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, so that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Mm. Um, and it's this picture of this very thing. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in proper time. It is There is a connection between uh, glorifying God and humility, right? Because Absolutely. the proud don't glorify God. They can't glorify God. Those who are humbled... God does lift them up. He, he, it, it, it's one of those upside down things we talked about earlier that, um, and he gives grace to those who are humble. The proud kind of, you know, pride goeth before a fall. You, mm-hmm. you, you are on unsteady ground when there's pride involved. But when you are humble and you go before the Lord in humility and you ask him to help you, um, Verse 6 says, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. And verse 7 says, casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's connected to also being vigilant against the devil because yeah. he is, he's looking to destroy you. And pride is one way that he does that. And pride is, that's Satan's tool. Well, and, and the thing we need to realize is that the Bible's clear that if we choose to humble ourselves then we usually don't end up in circumstances where God does the humbling. I was going to say, yeah, then God doesn't have to, right? Right. If we do it, then God doesn't have to humble us. And, you know, we're living in a day and age where um, arrogance is on the rise. Mm. And one of the things that can be said of millennials that I heard the other day through Barnum's research is that narcissism is on the rise in younger generations. Well, the hard sin issue underneath a narcissist is arrogance. I was going to say. It's that refusal to humble yourself. Describe what narcissism is for our listeners. Um, Narcissism is um, kind of that really anchored deep sense that um, you're right and everybody else is wrong, that you are the judgment and the standard that that uh, everybody else kind of needs to bow to is kind of the idea. And it can have different faces, so I want you to understand. And it can come, I believe it can exist in in um, different severities. Yeah. And so I think you can have a mild version that is just somebody who's proud. And I think it can be in extreme situations where there is a complete and utter lack of of the ability to emphasize with others. Mm. So it can have an antisocial quality. And I don't mean that socializing wise. I mean that in the sense of being able to understand and see and this person's in pain and Mm -hmm. I am the cause. That's empathy. Being able to understand that they hurt. And so I feel compassion and I feel 
Um, or to even acknowledge that you're I'm the cause impacted of that. by yes. it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. To even be impacted by it. It's all and, about you and right, just you, not anybody right. else. Sort of um, like you're your own entity. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, somebody without that sense of empathy will like look with disdain on empathy. Like it is a weakness mm. and a flaw mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you have. And you should be impervious to that. Um, it's kind of the idea of somebody who holds narcissism. Um, and so they will do a lot of things like belittling any form of compassion that they see. Um, they will talk about how, um, you might hear somebody talk about being goal oriented and noticing that in their wake, they've stepped on toes or cut people or, you know, that there's been casualties and they will almost look at those casualties like, well, they're responsible. It's their fault that they're casualties because they're not with me. They're not headed where I'm going. It's that kind of a feeling to it. Mm. You know, and it, it honestly, it is sin. At its very core, it is sin. Um, anytime you can look at somebody else with indifference, you are absolutely and utterly in sin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's just no two ways about it. Yeah. And that is the sin that is growing among the body of Christ. And there is no way you can sit in that kind of attitude and truly be connecting to the heart of Christ. It, I just don't think it's possible. It's totally opposite of who Christ is. Because Jesus would stand and look and weep with compassion on fields. And so a lot of times what you'll see is any kind of emotion that would come out of somebody who has narcissism will be for a certain effect. It'll be to get something because everything has a purpose with a narcissist. It's not motivated. It does not come from the same place that it might come from somebody with true compassion. So it's a manipulation. It's a manipulation. It's being used to get somewhere else, maybe to get out of trouble, maybe to be left alone, maybe, you know, to get a position of honor and respect. Um, you know, it can be used to get affirmation from people. Mm. It can be used for a lot of different reasons, but that narcissism is a refusal to be honest about who they are and what they've done. It's a, it's a refusal to be, uh, under the authority and, and receive instruction from someone who they've you know, a lot of times what will happen is a narcissist will only take instruction and accountability from somebody who th- he thinks is better than they are or she thinks is better. Um, they will only take it from somebody that they quote unquote respect. Okay. But the interesting thing that can happen is in that dynamic, they will eventually get to the point where their stuff stepped on enough that they will decide that the person they've been mm. giving authority to is no longer worthy of authority. Okay. So in other words, by doing that very thing, they maneuver themselves to a position where they are no longer accountable or have to look at their yuck. Mm -hmm. They move themselves into a more of a blameless, you can't touch me position. Okay. So it's a lot of posturing and masking with narcissism. If they see the yuck in themselves, it becomes someone else's fault. Absolutely. They'll attack Mm -hmm. or they'll blame or they'll They'll shift the focus back on the other person. They'll do something to deflect. 
um, the biggest one of the, it depends on the primary motivation behind the narcissism. You know, if it is attention seeking, then they're going to want to avoid people seeing their yuck and thinking less of them. Okay. So they are constantly going to react to things that they lose face to. Um, if it's more of a power position and hungry for power, it's going to be craving and going after positions of authority that are exclusively power positions where nobody can touch them. And anytime somebody moves to challenge, they now have a target that will need to be decimated and destroyed because it's shaking their position of power and authority. And so you you can feel it. I mean, and a lot of the research behind is saying that counseling is not effective to this. And you can kind of see why. Yeah. I mean, because you have to be able to humble yourself and understand what's being communicated back to you on your actions. You've got to be able to admit that you have problems. Correct. And you can't change if you won't humble yourself. You know, wow. so the arrogance inside that defensive posture of um, control and desire to just have power or attention or whatever the primary motivator is will keep somebody locked in that narcissism. Mm. And so the best thing to do if you're in relationship with somebody like that is one, you cover your tail as much as you can so that you can prove your blamelessness. Um, but two, you know, you ask the Lord if this is something that is worthy of a flight to safety, mm. um, and to refuge, because it may very well be. Here's the thing with the narcissist, you cannot talk them out of their arrogance. You can't, you are not going to be able to earn their respect. Their respect is only given to people who are willing to praise them and worship them. They want to be the God in their lives. Mm. They want to be the God in all of their relationships. They do not want to submit to any other God. And so the arrogance innate to that and I'm being very passionate about this and I understand, but um, truly the amount of humbling that that person has to go through mm. in order for God to break that is in measure to the arrogance and the refusal to humble themselves. And sometimes they know who they are. And so they look at you with disdain that you would want to stay in relationship with them. And they don't respect the people who love them. Wow. Because they know that they do nothing to justify that love. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's that ingrained and twisted in the heart of a narcissist sometimes. And on the outside, you will never make sense of that until you understand how they think and why they think like they do. Wow. And there are some good books that are, are written, but there is something that sometimes can be broken in childhood that leads to some of those things. Mm. And apart from understanding what's been broken in it, if you're trying or hoping that you're going to redeem a narcissist, you have just picked up something that will be your lifelong frustration mm -hmm. because you will never be able to do it. Yeah. Apart from the grace of God in that person's life and their choice, you cannot redeem that Wow. alone. Listeners, I don't know where you are. Um, I don't know where you are, and I don't know where some of these things are hitting you. Um, in your life, but we have just walked through the book um, of First Peter, um, and kind of these ideas of servant leadership and humility, and 
I don't know the situations that you found. Um, this last week has had kind of the theme of being in some abusive relationships. And um, it is our heart that you are safe always. And so if there's safety issues, please flee to a place of refuge. Um, that is something that is all throughout scripture. That was something that was set um in uh, the nation of Israel very early were cities that were created for refuge. And so our God is a God of refuge. Mm -hmm. And so safety is a big thing for him. Um, We care about you and we would love to know how to serve you better. You are welcome to contact us through the Facebook page. You've found a place to belong here in the Circle of Friends. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from Modern Farmhouse to transitional design. Then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed. Step back in time with a stay at one of the oldest buildings in historic Berlin, Ohio, the Worthman House. This charming building has a rich history with origins dating back to as early as the mid-1800s. The newly restored two-bedroom, one-bathroom suite has hardwood floors and gorgeous chestnut trim throughout. It is also outfitted with locally made Amish furniture. It can sleep six and offers a beautiful panoramic view of Berlin's Main Street. Its location in the heart of Berlin is an ideal spot for walking to various restaurants and shops. Book your stay at the Worthman House through VRBO.